Thank you so much, guys. It's a good reminder to remember that His blood was shed for us. Every moment, every moment was, was His blood was shed for us. It's such a great reminder to see that and sing about that. That's what worship's all about. Amen? Coming before the Lord and being reminded that we don't have to shed any blood to make God happy. That's what we're looking at with the book of Leviticus. You know, and a part of you might be like, wait a minute, that's all we're talking about is shedding of blood. <laughs> Seems like that's what it's about. But the truth is, these are pictures. Pictures of, that, uh, of God coming before and saying, look, here's my grace. Here's a picture of my grace in the book of Leviticus or through the Old Testament that will one day be fulfilled through the person of grace in Jesus Christ who fulfills it now. Shed His blood for you and me, so that we don't have to, we don't have to continue sacrificing and doing those things. Um, Kim and I have a, 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 my wife and I, Kim, we, we have a great opportunity uh, coming up soon. We've been married uh, 16 years uh, this November. I know, right? That's it's crazy. We got married when we were nine, um, and uh, <laughs> real excited because. Um, you know, when we when we got married, I, I had five jobs or six jobs at the same time. Most of them were part time, and I was taking six classes. Um, and uh, she was also in school, and it was crazy, um, and uh, just a lot of crazy stuff going on. So when we got married, we purposely got married right there in the week of Thanksgiving, so that we would be off of school, and we would have that week to go on our honeymoon, and we ended up going out to um, Palm Desert and hanging out there. My ultimate dream, though, of, you know, of, of, of honeymoon or just going out with the woman I love, it was, was to go somewhere like Hawaii, you know? That's what I wanted to do, but the pocketbook dictated that we went to the desert instead of Hawaii, you know what I mean? So, and, and that's okay. We had a great time, but um, ne- never have had an opportunity to go to Hawaii until this November. We're real excited because we have a friend that lives out there and um, they, they just got us like this deal that we could not pass up. But I guess what I, what, why I'm bringing this up is because if you can imagine, I mean, I've been wanting to go to Hawaii for a long time. I've been really wanting to get out there and go, you know, go to it. Um, I probably will not be as like impressed as it is in my mind because that usually is how, how it happens. You know, you get this idea of, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And then you get there and it's like, well, it's amazing, but it's not as amazing as I thought. You know, but uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to really like it. But imagine if I, you know, if I, as I was doing the research and maybe I had pictures of Hawaii and I had all these things sitting before me and, and these thoughts of, oh, this is what it'll be like. And the day comes for my wife and I to get on that plane and I'm sitting around and I'm just looking at the computer and looking at all these pictures of Hawaii and just kind of like, oh man, and watching videos of people hitting waves and fishing in Hawaii and snorkeling and all this other stuff. And I'm just looking at that. And, and those are great and all, but then my wife says, hey, let's go. We've got to get on the plane and actually go there. And I say to her, you know what? I'm good. I've got these pictures here. I, I've got these, you know, these videos of Hawaii. I think this is enough. You'd be like, you know, first of all, you'd slap me. Say, what's wrong with you? Get on the plane. Go to the place, right? To heck with the pictures. Go to the place. And to some extent, this is what Jesus is revealing to us today that were the pictures of grace yesterday with the, with the Israelites. And, and, and to some extent, as he comes, he says, check it out, I'm here. I am the fulfillment of these pictures. You no longer have to look to this. You've got the person. 
You've got the real deal. I am the kingdom of God. I am the place. Come, let's go, walk with me. And yet many people are content to stay with the pictures. And we need to move past that, amen? And that's what we've been looking at with the book of Leviticus. And the bottom line is that Jesus fulfilled these things. And so what I want to just point out really quick is a quick reminder of the three offerings that we looked at before. We're just a really good reminder of what Jesus uh, fulfilled from the Old Testament to now. Okay? And this is just a really quick uh, reminder here. If we look at the, the first thing is that Jesus fulfilled the burnt offering. And we see this, by the way, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 2. See, it says, As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for the sweet-smelling aroma. That's the Apostle Paul illuminating or alluding to um, the offering, the sweet-smelling aroma that the, that the burnt offering was all about. And secondly, he says, Jesus fulfilled the grain or first fruits offering, right? But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that's 1 Corinthians. Again, it's just an, another reminder that Jesus is best. The person of grace is so much better than just the picture. And then lastly, Jesus fulfilled the peace offering. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 5.1. So isn't it awesome to see that there is a semblance here? That it's not just these random cuttings from one book to another, but it's like God, like God had a plan. Amen? Like God all in, intended from the beginning to bring that person of Jesus Christ to walk with us and take us to the place that we have been dreaming about for so long and, and thinking about and pondering and needing for so long. And now we can actually go. Amen? And this is all through Jesus Christ. So let's, um, before we stand, I just want you to see really quick the take-home truth that we have for today. And that take-home truth for the fourth offering, which is the sin offering, goes something like this. Holding nothing back means we are honest with God and admit we have wandered and, and we need to run back to His open arms. Amen? So let's stand and pray. And we're going to go ahead and uh, um, get into God's Word. Lord, we come before you. And as we stand before you today, we know that you came first and offered yourself for us, Lord. We are reminded that you are the fulfillment of the burnt offering. You are the fulfillment of the grain offering. You are the fulfillment of the peace offering. And as we see today, you are the fulfillment of the sin offering. Lord, we are free because of you. And we thank you. Lord, we just, we just want to offer ourselves up as living sacrifices. Lord, it's so easy for us to just get detracted and detoured to, to different things in our life. I mean, life is so crazy and chaotic. And I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters here right now. Lord, I, I, I can't hug every one of them. I can't listen to every one of them. I can't you know, do what they need because I'm just a man. But that's why you sent your son. You were a man and 100% God. And you gave us your Holy Spirit, the great counselor who can minister to every single one of us at the same time in such a way that we need it. I need it. I thank you. And we just want to be a people that are thankful because you are good. Even when we aren't or times aren't 
So we thank you for that. And we just want to look to you now in this idea of sin offering and see what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you can continue to stand, we're going to go ahead and read Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. So follow along with me. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, When anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands... Goes on to say, this is what they do. If the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He is to present the bull at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on its head and slaughter it before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the blood's a bull's blood and carry it into the tent of meeting. He is to dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain of the sanctuary. The priest shall then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. The rest of the bull's blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He shall remove all the fat from the bull of the sin offering, all the fat that is connected to the internal organs, both kidneys with the fat on the loin, on them near the loins and the long lobe of the liver which he will remove with the kidneys, just as that fat is removed from the ox sacrificed as a fellowship offering." you guys remember before. Then the priests shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering. But the hide of the bull and all its flesh, as well as the head and legs, the internal organs and the intestines, that is all the rest of the bull. He must take outside the camp to a place ceremonially clean, where the ashes are thrown and burn it there in a wood fire on an ash heap. Okay, you can, you can be seated now. So there's a lot of stuff going on here. A lot of things going on here. Um, and so what I'd like to do is, again, just explain some of those things and see what that was all about so we can really see that relevant truth today and apply that to our lives right now. Does that make sense? So um, it's a lot to take in. But the Hebrew word here for sin, because this is called the sin offering, is kata. Okay? And, 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 and kata, it, it, it's an interesting word in the Hebrew. See, the, the Hebrew is very poetic. Uh, Greek is very... Um, succinct. Greek is very A, B, C, D. We live in a very Greek world. What we call a westernized mindset or the western type, that's because of the Greek. Um, the Greek was very, it was all about democracy and politics and logic and philosophy and all those things that were very, let me give you ten points. But, but the Hebrew is very poetic. It's very story driven. It's weird because we're almost going away. If you guys notice this in the culture, we're going away from the written word or the succinct ABC and we're going back to what was more prominent for thousands of years in the Middle Eastern culture of story, narrative. We want to know stories. We want to see stories. We want to hear about... I mean, that's reality TV, right? Don't give me the facts. Let me just know why they're fighting. You know, let me get the story of everything. And that's, that's okay. It's like, kind of like getting around the campfire again and getting all those different narratives and just the meta-narratives of, of what God is doing in a big way. And so what we have in the, in the Hebrew here with kata is a really interesting poetic way of saying missing what we try to hit, like with an arrow. Or a bow and arrow. If you try to, take, or if you have a gun, and if some of you are hunters or shooters, and you try to hit it, but you miss it, that's the idea. But even better than that is to wander. It's it's that idea of you look up and you go, uh oh, where am I? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been driving on the freeway and you get off somewhere in L.A. 
Because <laughs> you can't get back on, right? <laughs> but you, why is that? It's like LA, I think that's why LA grows so fast, is because people get off the freeway and never know how to get back on, so they just buy a house there. You know, and they're like, well, we're stuck, so we might as well live here. Uh, but, but seriously, you know, you, you get off and you go, uh-oh, and you just come to that awareness of, I am not where I'm supposed to be. I have wandered. I'm off the path. And that's the idea of kata here, to wander away, to wander from our purpose and the plan that our Creator God has for us. And so with all these offerings, we're just seeing the simple fact that, 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 that God has had a plan and a purpose for His people, and these offerings are to remind us and to bring us back to that plan and to that purpose. Again, the burnt offering is about bringing it all back to God. It's all about God. And secondly, that grain offering, it's all about serving others as you surrender to God. And the peace offering, it's all about receiving His peace and sharing it with others. It's like when Jesus came and summed it all up and said, it's all about loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love others as yourself. Simplifying it, right? Making it simple. If none of you have done this, guilty, then you have missed the mark. You have wandered. Now, this is hard to swallow, isn't it? Because I'm a guy, and there's a lot of guys out there. We don't like to admit that we're wrong, or like, especially when we are lost. Any guy with me? You don't want to admit that you're lost. You don't want to admit defeat, right? So I, I'm very competitive. So I am what you call a sore l- loser. I'm a sore winner too. Because when I win, I like to gloat. I like to get my big game face on and be like, bam! Kick your butt, right? But when I lose, it's like, well, you won because... And I have all these excuses and everything else, right? Because the truth is, I mean, no one likes to lose. No one likes to be lost. No one likes to, to just wander away from what you thought you could do or should do. And that's me. I, I think that's all of us. But what's interesting about what, um, what, what the Scripture here does is it uses this really interesting word uh, called shagah. And, and, and again, it's just that Hebrew, it's a beautiful poetic language, which shagah, it, it, it's... It's almost like, you, again, you're lost and you didn't even know it. You ever watched a magician? You know the magician is tricking you. There's no, you know there's no, I mean, some of you are over ten, right? You know that there's really no magic there. He's not actually creating magic. He's doing, he's an illusionist, right? He's, he's creating an illusion that tricks you. He's sleight of hand and everything. And you know that, but then all of a sudden you're like, what just happened? You know, you get, you get fooled. That's the idea of shagah, to, to unintentionally. Like, you, you were watching, you were paying attention, but you still lost it. You still missed it. I remember we were at uh, the fair one time with our kids when they were really little, and our uh, Madeline, I think I've said this before, she was she, great, I love all my children, but Madeline, she started running at nine months old. She didn't walk, she ran. And man, she just, somewhere in, in the middle of the county fair with a million people, she took off. And we lost her for 20 minutes. I almost died, okay? My wife and I were frantic, to say the least. And the crazy thing is, she was too. When we finally found her, she was like, oh, you know, because she knew. She looked up, where's my parents? It was an unintentional thing. We didn't mean to lose her. She didn't mean to be lost. That's what it is to shagah. Unintentional. Some of you have shagahed already, and we were only five, ten minutes into this. 
You've wandered. Your mind wanders. This is who we are. And this is what I would point you to very quickly if you're taking notes. We all wander. We just do. From the beginning of time, we have been straying from God. And He knows it. That's why He comes running after us. I want to point you very simply to Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the lost sheep. And it's Jesus just bringing us back to the truth of the need for the sin offering, for the wandering, the wanderers, you and me. And he says this, he says, By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputations were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. I love this passage and the way it starts out, because basically what it's showing and sharing to us is people who were lost, were wandering from God and the plans he had for them, are hanging around with Jesus. That's me. I hang around with Jesus not because I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I know everything and I'm perfect. No, I hang out with Jesus because I'm like, I got no clue. I'm a wanderer and I need a shepherd. I'm a lost sheep. And so we have this perfect, like, just encapsulation of this whole thing saying a lot of men and women of doubtful reputations, people who wandered, who weren't doing what they were supposed to do, did not have it all together. Does, does this sound familiar? Maybe you're like just like me. And you're, you need to hang around with Jesus too because you don't have it all together. And the next part is just interesting. It says, the Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. Why? Well, they growled. He takes in wanderers. He takes in people who are lost, sinners, and eats meals with them. How dare he? How dare he? Treating them like old friends. Does he not know what he's doing? Their grumbling triggered this story. See, he cares for wandering people. That darn Jesus. Always going after the lost. Always going for those people that, that don't have it all together. That don't know what's happening. That look up and go, where am I? When you really wake up to that moment, you can look around and see Jesus right in front of you. Suppose, he goes on to say as he tells a story, one of you had a hundred sheep and you lost one. Wouldn't you leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? See, what's interesting about that is not everybody would. Those ninety-nine sheep, what happens to them? But to God, every sheep is valuable. See, when found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me, I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life. More, wa- wa- more wandering person rescued life than over 99 good sheep or good people in no need of rescue. See, every single one of us should get the truth of this passage. We've all been lost. Many of us get to this point, and, and I just want to illuminate a couple things. Maybe, maybe it's your marriage, you wonder how you came to such a place that you wandered and it, and it seems like an impossibility to come back or a relationship with one of your family members or your own kids and how we could have been so close or how we thought we had it together and, and the family seemed to be good but then all of a sudden it's like a wake-up call and you wake up and you realize, oh my gosh, unintentionally I've wandered from this and I don't even know how I got here. Maybe you're seeing this again with, maybe it's your parents, your, your siblings. You just don't have that relationship. Or maybe you're in a job that continues to ask you to compromise in your calendar or even ask you to compromise the truth 
by saying this or telling this person that. And, and you got to a point where at first it was, you started and you went, oh, I know this isn't right, uh, but, but maybe just this one time I'll do that. And, and you did it because you just felt pressure to do it. And, that, and then the second time, and then the eighth time, and then the third, and now you've lost count. And you're so far off of what God said for you to do or be a part of in the light that you're supposed to be in the plan and the purpose he had for you in that job. You're so far from that. You, you don't even know anymore. You've wandered. See, this is the offering that doesn't just put it in our face. Jesus never came to just put it in our face. But it's here to show us who we really are. Does that make sense? It's to show us who we really are. How we're holding, really holding back. I don't know if you, if you know this, but I wasn't always the fine upstanding pastor you see before you today. I was the one most likely, voted most likely to be in jail. <laughs> one of my favorite pastors, I love him so much because he used to be a grand theft auto criminal. <laughs> I love that. I, lo- I love connecting with people like that who were once so messed up like I was. I wasn't, I wasn't only a drug addict, I was a drug dealer. I was a thief, I was a liar. I mean, you name it, I did it. I mean, I was impeached from drama club as their vice president because I was so irresponsible and I would show up high all the time. I, I, I can't even imagine now ever being that way then. And yet I was. And when I was growing up, all I ever wanted to do was be a dad, follow the Lord, do the right thing? How did I get there? You see, it's unintentional. I've worked with enough wanderers in my life to know that nobody ever meant to sin and screw up and wander away and get lost. They never started out that way. You, you, maybe you're just like me. and you, you, you know, you've just realized, I blow it. I wander. It's who we really are. What I love is that God starts with the highest person of that day, the culture of that day. There was no one more than the, than the priest, the highest, the high priest. And he says this in verse 3, If the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people. This is huge. Bringing guilt on the people. He must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. This is a core concept of Scripture that we need to remember. My wandering, who I am and what I do, affects everyone around me. My wandering affects you. And your wandering affects me. See, we have a pervasive lie today that says, you know what, if you screw up and you do your thing, that's on you. That's your bad. That's your problem. It doesn't, you just, that's you, just do your thing. Like, like as if, a, 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 like me, when I was doing drugs, it, it, was, it was hurting me, but nobody else. Well, all you need to know, all you... I'm sure some of you have experienced this. If you have a child or a friend or somebody you know or someone you know who has that, who has struggled with drugs, it never just hurts the drug addict. It hurts everybody around. And my mom would go to sleep every night crying, weeping. She'd go to the bank, come out with five people praying for me. Pray for my son, pray for my son. Everybody knew. (laughs) I mean, it's just the way it is. When we wander, we affect everybody around us. This is why the world is in such a mess. And the truth is we're all in this together. 
Anthropologically speaking, this is an interesting thing. If you're into anthropology and not the store, it's pretty cool, but I'm talking of the discipline anthropology. This is the first reference of any culture in any society actually having a sacrifice to a god for their own sin, for their own screw-ups, for their own wandering, unintentional or intentional. See, the sin offering showed the people that everyone was affected. Everyone is responsible for their lostness around them. Yet, how many of us still today have the same response as Cain did way back when? I'm not my brother's keeper. I'm not responsible for him or for her. Hey, if my kids did what they did, it's not my fault. If my spouse is upset, that's not my fault. If, if the work that's falling around around me, that's not my fault. Our wandering effects. One of the things that drives me crazy is that 21,000 kids are dying every day of hunger. Every day, 21,000 kids die. Hunger is something we could take up care of very easily. Very easily. And yet, one child dying every four seconds... 14 children dying every minute, 7.6 million children dying every year, and 92 million children dying between 2000 and 2010. That's insane. Something so simple as food, which we have so much so that the America throws out 45% of all the food we, we eat. We throw away 45% of everything we create. Half. It's, it's because our sin, our wandering, affects people. The thing that killed me is when Brandon came to talk about Burkina Faso, he said, own it, and we need to deal with it. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and carry it into the tent of meeting. He is to dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times, and then the priest is to put it on the horns of the altar, and the rest of the bull's blood he shall pour out at the base. See, what's going on here? Well, God is calling the high priest here, and the priest in general, to be the first to step up and say, I've blown it. He, he's the first to step up to say, I've held back. See, in all those other offerings, I've held back. I haven't come before the Lord fully. I haven't given Him everything. I haven't served everyone that I should, that God has called me to. I've held back. I've been selfish. I've wandered. I've been angry. I've been, you name it. It's the human condition. What, what's sad is, if this is what we are called to do, because yes, let me just say, in the New Testament, we're called priests. Yet what are Christians known for? We're known for being judgmental and critical and holier than thou, right? Now that's not always the case. I'm not trying to make a blanket statement completely for all Christians. I'm not saying that, hopefully it's not you, but that's the, that's the interpretation. I can't change the stereotype. But I can, I can come to the sin offering that Jesus has given us and start with me. And explain and show and share how I've wandered and be real with those around me. This offering was to really reveal who we really are. One of the things I hate, I, I, whenever I travel or go places, I sit on the plane or I go and I meet people, oh, hey, and they're talking to me and everything's good. And then, what do you do? Uh, you know, I, I'm a pastor. <laughs> Instantly, they... You're a pastor. Did I cuss earlier? Maybe. I wasn't really. You know. 
I hate that. It's that, it's that idea of like, I'm more special just because I'm a pastor. or I, I, you, you gotta watch what you, oh, he's a pastor. He's got a red line to God. He's gonna call down fire on me. No, I don't. I mean, I'm just as screwed up as they are. It's just, I know I'm a wanderer and I need Jesus to show me the way. That's the only difference. See, the priest sprinkled the blood at the highest point. There's a reason for that. Because there's three and a half million people behind him. And the first time this was going on, and they all saw, oh wow, what's he doing? What's going on? Oh, the high priest is screwed up? The high priest needs God's grace? The pastor needs Jesus just as much as I do? Yes! Even more, Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. But Paul, you wrote the whole blasted practically New Testament. Yeah, and I'm screwed up. <laughs> and yet we find ourselves going, oh, I'm, hmm, I'm going to take care of business. And, you know, I mean, what is it that we, we walk into the situation like we're better than? And the truth is, we're called to be the priest that sprinkles it up front so that all people can see we need Jesus. We need grace. Now, this is the interesting part. Because it goes on to talk about the hide of the bull and all its flesh, as well as the head and the legs and the internal organs and the intestines. That's a lot of, that's a lot of bull. <laughs> it's a whole lot of bull, people. He must pick it up and haul it. There's a reason they would only do this once a year. But pick it up and haul it to the outside of the camp through three and a half million people. Any hunters out there? I'm looking at Rich here. That's a lot of bull to be carrying outside the camp. And that's no bowl. <laughs> Sorry. But, but the truth is, I mean, this is insane. It, it's almost like if people didn't see it, they're going to see it. Because it's going to be all over him and he's got to carry the truth of his wandering. He's got to carry the truth. We have to carry the fact that we need Jesus every day. And what's cool is the Apostle Paul says we wear Him like a garment. See, when God looks down, He sees Jesus on our shoulders. Amen? And we carry Him. And when we blow it at work, we say, I need Jesus. And when we screw up with our family, I need Jesus. And when we wander from our spouses and we wander from our jobs and we wander and we wander and we wander, we come back to that place where we say, I got to carry Jesus. I got to carry Jesus. Because without Him, I'm just another wanderer. And this is why we go out and seek the last, the lost and the least. Because we're just wanderers. Every single one of us. Look at the, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Again, it's just the, the, the author of Hebrews pointing back to the pictures and saying, look what we've got. This was, this was good. But let me show you the best with Jesus. And he says this in chapter 13. In the old system, the animals are killed and the bodies disposed of outside of camp. See, he's referring to the sin offering when the priest had to go and dispose it outside the camp to a place that was ceremonially clean. The blood is then brought inside to the altar as a sacrifice for sin. 
It's the same with Jesus. He was crucified outside the city gates. That is where he poured out the sacrificial blood that was brought to God's altar to cleanse his people. So, let's go outside. Let's go outside where Jesus is, where the action is, not trying to be privileged insiders peeled for the city about to come. Let's take our place outside with Jesus. No longer pouring out the sacrificial blood of animals, but pouring out sacrificial praises from our lips to God in Jesus' name, holding nothing back with our lives. Amen? I love how it ties together. I couldn't write it better. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like God had a plan. It's like God knew what He was doing. I love that. Because my plans get me lost. Even the best laid plans of mice and men, to quote Steinbeck. (laughs) Right? I mean, look at our government, people. I would never want to be the President of the United States. And I pray for the President of the United States, because I bet he sits... I bet he doesn't get much sleep. It's a statistical fact that that the President has aged like 20 years... (laughs) In the, in the that short four years, because the amount of stress and strain, and they have to go, what do I do now? And I love it when I read back on what the presidents have said before, of great men that have said before, like, I am so lost. This is why we turn to the Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ, who's never lost. Because we're wanderers. See, verse 13, if the whole Israelite community sins unintentionally, when a leader sins unintentionally, in verse 22, in verse 27, if a member of the community sins, this is the country, this is the leaders, this is me, this is everybody. So how do we do this? How do we hold hold nothing back? How do we live in such a way where we're holding nothing back as it represents in the sin offering? I want to point you to two things really quick before we finish here. One is we need to be real with ourselves. We just need to be real. I mean, if I were to put it honestly, I'll tell you the second one. Be real and let's deal. I mean, I want to make it as simple as possible. I mean, we should have this with our families. We should have this with our kids. Be real to me and let's deal with it. Because this is that simple. I love uh, uh, Jesus' half-brother James. He says this. He says in in chapter 5 of of the book of James. He says, Therefore, confess your sins one to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. He's basically saying, "Get, get real before God, but also be real before each other. You have God's sin offering on your back and you walking through. Don't try to act like you did it. Don't try to hide. Be real. Confess. This is the core of the sin offering. The reality of who we are in the face of the reality of a holy God. You see, when, we, when you get to work and you've had success doing it a certain way and it gets a little tougher and you continue to push and sacrifice working even longer days and have to strive harder and harder and sacrifice more and more and family and relationships and everything and even your relationship with God is, is suffering, you need to be real and say, where am I wandering? There are times I sit down and I go, oh, I should probably have time with you, Jesus. I'm a pastor. There there are sometimes I go weeks without having a real devotional quiet time with Jesus. I have the same stresses and strains as you because I'm a wanderer just like you. But I got to be real about it. I love the the fact that that David was a man after God's own heart. 
He was a murderer. <laughs> he was an adulterer, a murderer. I mean, you name it. The guy did it. He couldn't even build the temple because God told him, you get too much blood on your hands, dude. I'll let your son do it. That's all David wanted to do was build a temple for God. And God said, nope, you're too messed up. But you're a man after my own heart. You're a wanderer. But I'm with you. He had to be real. We have to be real. You keep trying different ways to make yourself happy and maybe new hobbies, new relationships, new addictions. Sacrificing so much at the altar of feeling good, so much so that you forsake everything else just so you can feel good for one more day. And the reality and the plans and purposes of God just keep getting farther and farther away. We all wander. We all need to be real. And this is why that second part comes in. We need to deal with God as we are real with others. Once you're real, you've got to deal. <laughs> this is why we confess not only to God, but to find people in our life that we can be real with. I love this because Jesus didn't just say it. He patterned it. Here's... 100% man and yet also 100% God. And yet, if you look at the book of Matthew, chapter 26, he, he's struggling. In his humanity, he's struggling. And he's saying, man, this is hard. This is He sweat blood, people. Because God called him to a path and a purpose that was so difficult. And he didn't just say, everybody leave me alone. I'm going to deal with this myself. If we look in verse 38... He says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Help me. Jesus reached out to others. He wasn't only real, but he dealt with it. And many times we find in our realness when we're wandering and when we're messed up, we withdraw. Don't do that. Don't withdraw. Be like Jesus and go forward with others. That word watch with me is be present with me, endure with me, help me. So how do we deal? I just want to put this out before you guys. We have prayer after service. We have prayer partners that would love to pray for you if you're struggling. That's the best part of this. I love to preach, but I, even more, I love to pray for people. That's what we do. We want to endure with you. If you're in need, don't withdraw. Come forward. We have grow groups. Why do we do that? We do that because we need to endure with each other as Jesus needed to endure with others and they with Him. We want to stand with you. We want to grow in faith. See, holding nothing back means we are honest with God and we admit that we've wandered and we run back to His open arms. Let's pray. Lord, we have an opportunity right now as the ushers come forward. We have an opportunity. This isn't, this isn't just a, a, a side note. This isn't just a, a time that we take and, oh, what do we do with offering? No, offering is just another area of discipleship, another area of worship where we're able to come before you. Because I know with me in my house, we, we, we don't always have enough. 
You see, when it comes to me and my house, when it comes to my relationships, I don't have enough. When it comes to me and my work, I don't have enough. And when I admit it and I'm real, I'm as lost as the next person. This is why we come before you. We, we want to deal. And as I confess my inadequacies to my brothers and sisters, may we as a people, as a community, lean in. Lean into each other and deal. We want to hold nothing back because this world needs it. We need it. Thank you for being our sin offering. I thank you, Lord, that you held nothing back. You, you sent your son and he said, not my will, but yours be done. May we do the same. And remember, it's grace alone through the person of Jesus that we just take his hand and we walk with him. And so in our finances, in our calendars, in our relationships, we hold nothing back. And we say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Use me. In Jesus' name, amen.